Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Now my numbers are running. You're still here and your numbers are running. That is two out of two. That's two out of two. Let's go for it. Scotty, 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 guess what, guess what, guess what? John, whenever you say Scotty, Scotty, Scotty at least three or four times, it means something exciting has happened in your week. So what, what, John, what? (laughs) I've heard from at least uh, two fractional listeners, and I'm trying to figure out how to apportion existence to these people. One is a, a dear, stunning colleague, hello, Lyle, who found me in the hallway and had nice things to say about our Zipception episode, which was great. But since he didn't finish it at the time he talked to me, I have to say that that, that makes him a half-listener. Um, <laughs> but, but, but a full person, I want to point that out. I'll tell you what, that would... If, if you had to start counting podcast listeners in fractions by how much of the show they listen to, that would be, that would, yeah, that would dramatically reduce most podcast numbers out there by an awful lot, I think. Oh dear. Okay. Well, we, I guess we're going to have to come up with our own metrics. I would say that basically anybody who's even ever thought about it, even if it's thinking, God, I hate this thing, that has to count yeah. as a listen. If you once thought you might download it and never got round to it, you're, you're, on the, you're in the stats in many people's books. So that's, that's so that they can tell the advertisers we have 17 billion listeners. <laughs> and I also had some back and forth with a, with a, with a colleague uh, about... Uh, about what I wrote about as well, um, who shall remain nameless as our conversation shall remain nameless. No, that's not true. It was Mark. Hi, Mark. So you had a conversation about something you can't tell us about with someone you can't tell us who it was. Really, you, you're, you're getting this entertainment business thing right under your belt now, aren't you? I am. <laughs> oh, dear. So uh, No, it, w- it was just that it was uh, like... It seems like you're making things much more complicated than they need to be, and and he, I I wasn't able to give enough detail, I suppose, uh, since the feature is not launched, um, uh, to to make it clear why I had to to take the path I did. But I did assure him, like, no, I do know what I'm doing on this. <laughs> not on everything, but on, on this one, I, I took the correct path. I know, don't know what I'm doing on anything else, but on this one, I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> exactly. Again, but I yeah. I've. Thought that for the last ones as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. Scotty, you're just, you know, here I was all excited and now you've just, you've reduced my self-esteem to a negative number. Well, I, I think your excitement was um, was justified, John. The, the people spoke to you. That should be enough to make you happy. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. I, I, Hello, I, thank you, and welcome <laughs> to Shit All Over John, the podcast which brings you new episodes weekly of, of crushing poor John's spirit. Yeah, and it's reducing the duty of care burden on me, so that's that's good. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yes. Care in quotes. Yes. Okay, well, all right, Mr. Mister Guy. Oh, but the other thing, too, is that Lyle said that uh, he is a money well customer from way back when. Oh, my word. So, so Lyle, you, we, you, we have to... We're being, now, is this like we just did with pod, podcast statistics? He once gave money for money well, but he hasn't used it since, or he's actively <laughs> using it. That we will need to find out. <laughs> yeah, we will. Well, I, I'm willing to talk to, to my listener, friend, colleague, so, but uh, you'll have to start being nicer to me. But that, that's, that, that's, that's probably not going to happen, is it? <laughs> I mean, the being right, nice well, to you, but we'll see. Yeah. 
John, I look forward to abusing you every week. Okay. Well, we have a new ep- we have a new whatever segment. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, remember last week I said we I wanted to talk a little bit about sinking this week. Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. So this this came about from not a anything that I've written in code or been in trying to make work. Um, we'll talk more about that as we go along. But um, I'm a, I use an app called uh, uh, Devon Think Pro Office to just mm-hmm. chuck stuff into. Um, I, I used to use it. I stopped using it. I decided a few weeks ago to start using the game. And uh, they also have an iOS app and, uh, and, a, and a, you know, so that works on the phone and, and the iPad. And, and they have syncing. And you can sync through a number of providers, um, but it sort of says in the documentation, you know, the easy the easy way forward is just to use iCloud because it will use whatever um, iCloud account you're signed in on on your machine and on your iOS device. So assuming you use the same iCloud account on both, it just um, sets itself up when you, you say it. Uh, you can create an encryption key so that everything gets encrypted um, and it should off you go. You know, just as you know, many people have you know, implemented their own sync stuff through using iCloud and whatever else that way. So I set all that up and did it, and it just didn't work. Um, and uh, by the way, this is no reflection on, on the app. The the reason I'm bringing this up is to some of the things that happened made us think quite seriously about this. Um, but it wasn't like it just didn't work. It was. Uh, any if I if I created a new thing that needed syncing on the Mac, I could never see it on iOS. But if I created uh, a new thing that needed, you know, a new database that needed syncing on iOS, it would turn up on the Mac. Um, and then I'd say, okay, so all I need to do is make sure I create the initial databases on iOS, and then the Mac will get them, and everything will be fine. But no, 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 it wasn't quite that simple because even though the Mac saw them and got them. Um, anything I put into the database on iOS would turn up on the Mac, but anything I put into the database that was now synced on the Mac never turned up on iOS. And it was like really, really weird. And so I tried this a few times and did all the normal stuff and signed out of iCloud and signed back in, which sounds easy apart from it deletes all your photos and all everything, all your Apple Pay cards and your devices and whatever else. So, you know, signing out and in is a bit of a, a commitment, <laughs> <laughs> when you're mm. trying this stuff out um you know and then eventually you know after and played with Subar, i sent an email to uh the devon think support uh who came back really quickly um you know they started by trying to take me through a bunch of stuff i'd already done which is you know um normal and you know people always say i'm a computer expert you don't need to tell me this stuff and then you realize they're not so i have no problem with being taken through you know uh, um, the basics and i sent some screenshots uh, and all the rest of it, and um, one of the things we had to do was try and go into settings and manage space and clear clear the um, the container for uh, this data where it was, just to see if could. And no matter what I did, uh, whether it was on iOS or on the Mac, um, uh, iCloud would say unable to clear this container um, from there. So there was, there was obviously something wrong with it. Um, and at that point, the Devon thing people said to say. Mm, not really sure what we can do now. Um, uh, to which my response was, I know what we can do. I'm just going to turn on, I've got Dropbox. I'm going to turn on your Dropbox thinking option. And within about 30 seconds, I had the whole thing running. Um, mm. So that was fine. But what this made made us think here in the office is like, you know, um, yes, setting up syncing on iCloud is um, 
pretty, you know, it, it's supposed to be pretty simple. But when something goes wrong, um, you know, I, I was a hopefully a reasonably friendly and reasonably competent person. You know, it took probably a dozen emails backwards and forwards to to come to the conclusion we couldn't fix it. And then, you know, I had other options, so I was fine. And so we, we just sat down and asked ourselves the question is, you know, when we're setting up our thinking, do we want to have to deal with that? You know, when things go wrong, the fact that iCloud is just this black box that no one can see into and no one can do anything about. And if it decides it's not going to delete um, a container, then basically there's nothing you can do about it. And there's nothing you can do for the user. And there's nothing in there. And, it, and it's made us go down this because we were going to do our default first syncing implementation for the um, the fixed syncing in Manuel was going to be just iCloud syncing. Uh, it's called Ata. We're going to use ensembles um, from Drew McCormack. Is is our prime sync me- mechanism? Um, and we've just so back said yeah, we can't. I do, we're just not prepared to do that. As <laughs> nice as it might be, if iCloud worked, uh, yeah. So now we're having to look at what's the you know, um, still using ensembles and all the rest of it, but running our own sync servers and you know having encryption and. S3, just because, you know, worst case scenario, we can go on them and delete the person's account and have them start all over again or, you know, or, or see, well, actually, you know, go and have a look and say, well, there are seven files there, so we're not sure what the problem is. Uh, and even though it's going to create probably a lot more work for us, it's, um, you know, I just you just don't want to get stuck in that situation because it just seems, you know, this, this, and it just made us, you know, just realize that, you know, is, is this, a, this is another case of an Apple black box. And when the black box doesn't work, you are completely and utterly screwed. Um, and, you know, we're dealing with people's, you know, I know it's home budgeting, but it's like it's still people's financial data. Yeah, and there's a lot of people have taken this stuff very seriously. And I just, you know, just, yeah. so we've just opened up a whole new load of work to us because of a lack of an ability to, to, to sort of, diagnose problems and get the user to clean stuff up on iCloud so that's what I, I want to say about just you know see if you had any thoughts or opinions on that I know you've not had to deal with syncing this way because you're all no. web-based but you know it's you know, do you have feelings about this I I do actually I so I'm curious to know to have the folks at Devon do, I mean it was very nice that you allowed yourself to, to kind of go through the user experience because you know even if, if even if you are a computer expert I think it's helpful for you to, to put yourself in the mindset of the customer and I think that, that you were very sensitive to that and, and then thinking to yourself do you want your customers to go through this but as a developer did you did you talk to the folks at Devon and say is this something that you've seen with other iCloud uh, accounts because my general feeling is is I, I think you're you're exactly right that Apple's great until it's not and when it's not you you, you can't do anything about it. So the question is, is, is it likely that that a significant number of your customers are going to go through this? Or is it possible that because you're a developer and you may have been doing experiments with, with syncing, you may have left some artifacts there that maybe a, a normal user wouldn't, and that might possibly explain why you got into this situation. I think it's, it's, it's worth pulling on that just a little bit, assuming that the you know, the iCloud solution really does keep you from having to do a bunch of other things, like set up your own encryption services and, 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 and whatnot. But the second thing is, it seems to me that, you know, it, ultimately it comes down to to who you're going to put place your trust in. So in the case of Apple, Apple kind of, you know, every company is always going to take care of their own first. But I think that the, the case of, of Apple is Apple kind of they offer lots of services. They enable lots of third parties, you know, to, to, to use their services. But in the end, kind of Apple 
has a responsibility to to their shareholders and to their own company, and if it requires you know stepping on third parties or or kind of removing services, I mean they've done that throughout you know throughout throughout the time I've ever developed, and it's not a it's not a slight against Apple. It's, it's just it's something you need to be aware of. So you have to kind of compare that risk to let's say Dropbox because. Dropbox, I think, you know, if it was five, ten years ago, I don't know how long they've been in business, but I think clearly they're they're not going away any any time soon. They have lots of customers, and and the customers seem to be happy. So I, I wouldn't, you know, to begin with, I think there's it's reasonable to be able to trust them. They seem to have a pretty clear model. You know, their customers give them money, and uh, you can you can take advantage of that. And Dropbox is a is a is a a somewhat single-purpose thing. I mean, I know there are lots of different ways you can use Dropbox, but if you think about what Apple does, Apple provides tons and tons and tons of services on top of the basic services of, of uh, authenticated, you know, user authentication and trust, right? So once somebody's logged in, then they say, okay, great, we can store your your your, your passwords and keychain, we can sync your photos, we can provide mail services, and we provide messaging and all this other stuff. So it's not surprising that that you know when it comes time to try and diagnose something and you have to blow your user account away that's or rather kind of you know log out from advice that really is such a pain in the ass and i think that my experience of disconnecting from dropbox and connecting back again is it's it's much less of, of an ordeal so it seems like on those occasions where you may need to do the equivalent of con- asking your customers to press control alt delete it's a much a much faster turnaround so it's a i feel your pain but i think you've also done the right thing yeah i mean our prime reasons for going with iCloud initially was um, the thing is about iCloud is is the user has an account in iCloud and they store things in it. So, to, although we understand it, most people just I think see iCloud is they're signing into their Apple device, and there and there isn't I don't think there is the same sense in iCloud that when people use iCloud for something that they're giving their data to anybody, even though mm-hmm. even though they totally are they're giving it to Apple. But mm. in some ways, because of the black box nature of it, and no one else going to get to it, and there's all the things that have just caused problems, I think that this is far more, um, yeah. But it is a personal enclave, um, and I know it's still off on Apple servers. I don't think people view it the same way, and obviously, people are very sensitive with their financial data, um, and so we just felt, you know, iCloud, you know, you're not going to give us any credentials. The credentials are only ever seen for anything. The credentials are only ever seen by you and it's iCloud and it just gets all that issue out of the way. Um, whereas the moment you start using a third party thing, you're now talking about keeping people's data somewhere else. Mm. Um, now, because of the nature of what we're doing, uh, we're not actually keeping people's full files anywhere. Um, the, uh, the, the files that are getting moved around are transactional change sets. Um, and, I think you know one of the things again, uh, and, and they can be encrypted. So there'll be end-to-end encryption between the apps. So the only, the only, uh, even though yes, we're now going to be throwing files onto a third-party system. Um, the, you know, those files are going to be encrypted, and no one other than the MoneyWell app at either end is going to be able to to read their content. So. I think there is, yeah, necessarily. As long as we promise end-to-end encryption on things, we we should be good. Um, and again, so really, the, one of the reasons we're thinking to just set up our own server uh, and using S3 as a backend is because you know these will be zipped transactional files. Our storage, you know, even with thousands of users, the, the storage isn't going to be huge. 
And it just does give us, if it's on our S3 account, you know, unlike if it's on someone else's Dropbox account or Box account, you know, if they choose to give us their username um, to look at their account, we can we can just go and blow away those transactional files and give them instructions how to start again and whatever else. And so if that gets stuck, we don't actually need access to anybody else's personal stuff other than mm-hmm. you know, a username that they've given us or, you know, they can give us a one-time key. So... Yeah, it's going to be more to set up. I mean, S3 is pretty robust. Uh, I mean, it's a small Node.js server or something in front just to handle file transfer through HTTP. Um, you know, so, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, there's a sample one that comes with ensembles, which, would you know, we can adjust, and it's going to need a little bit of work because it's got a little few little rough edges, but on the whole, it's good. So it's, it's not like it's masses of work. It is more infrastructure for us to look after, but I think, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be... Um, yeah, it's it's going to be worth that that extra stuff when you know you get that one customer who you can help out by doing it. I think you know the 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 thing is going to do is uh, it's going to be worth it. And, and as for um, I didn't ask Devon think about you know did they see this very often with iCloud? I am I am going to make a, a guess that based on the the, the bemusedness of some of the later emails to what was actually happening. It didn't sound like here is a scenario that we're now moving into defensive mode or sorry, there's nothing we can do about this mode. It, it really was more of a, oh, don't know <laughs> type of tone, mm. which would suggest to me is not something at least the person I was dealing with has seen before and therefore probably something they don't see that regularly. So, yeah, we, we could have changed our whole strategy over something that is you know, a one in 10,000, a one in 100,000 thing. Um, but I think the fact that it made us think about it um was uh, uh it was just enough you know the, the devon thing support were really helpful and i said it's all working on dropbox now so it's all fine i'm still using the product and whatever else you know i just thought i wouldn't want to be the other end of this support conversation right now right yeah. <laughs> um, so it was as much as we're trying to look after our users um it was as much about uh <laughs> Don't want to be on the other end of this <laughs> so a little bit of a little bit of self-protection in there as well and of course it gives us the flexibility to do other stuff in the future right if we want yeah. to but um you know there we are it's uh it's uh, an interesting so i've just um yeah if a people right there are doing their own sync thing or whatever else and they've experienced um uh icloud issues i'd be interested to to hear you know did you solve them have you not been you know what happens when it's particularly the fact that I am unable to clear the container at all from, you know, it's my iCloud account. I go in there, it just says, can't do it, try again later. And it's said that for two weeks now. I keep doing, even though I'm not using it anymore, I do go back in and try. Um, after two weeks, you'd have thought, you know, if there's anything out there holding on to it somewhere, it should have stopped by now. <laughs> um, yeah, so there we are. It's, uh, it's, wow. it's strange stuff. All right. Well, Scotty, 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 I have something else to talk about. Oh, wow. And it's obviously exciting because you said Scotty three times. I did. So I went on Friday. I visited the, the Steve Jobs Theater. I went to the Apple shareholders meeting. Wow. You got that much stock now, have you? No, no. You only have to have one share. It's a dirty little secret. But, uh, you know, I think that if you own a share in any company anywhere, uh, you have the right to attend shareholders meetings. It doesn't mean that it's practical for you to do so. But, it, you know, I've, I've received these notices for years saying, that, you know, it's going on. Here's your here's how to vote. Should you care to vote? And if you want to to go to the meeting in, in person, you can. 
So I decided that I, I wanted to, and I did, mostly because I wanted to see the, the Steve Jobs theater. Oh, I was going to say, and, and it's because you wanted to see the room it was in rather than what they were saying in it. <laughs> well, but th- that was the initial thing. But in fact, there was a lot of interesting discussion. I'm very happy I went I, on multiple, in multiple ways. So allowed me to enumerate. So, I mean, yes, it was nice to have the experience of, of, of seeing the theater. And it's a lovely theater. And, and my gosh, the spaceship really is an impressive building. And I think one of the, the most impressive things about it is that you hardly can tell it's there when you're there from the street. I mean, it's it's massive. I guess people know that. I remember noticing that you can see it, you know, as this this little kind of ring of light when you fly over at night. That's impressive. But they've done such a good landscaping that you can't really tell it's there. And even when you're on campus and you see the kind of walkway through which people are appearing and then look at it from the distance of the Steve Jobs Theater, it, it you can see, wow, this is really big, but you only see a little portion of it. It is stunning absolutely stunning in that way it's beautiful yeah because i've been in the spaceship as well um mm. and you know been, been to the cafe max there for lunch and everything and yeah the building itself yeah. is i've never been in steve jobs theater there but the building ah, the so building you... the building is beautiful and the, everything yeah. around it is beautiful yeah it's a stunning building i agree with you anyway yeah. carry on about the steve jobs theater so then I, I was expecting it to be, you know, a huge ordeal, but they said kind of we recommend that you get there between 7.30 and 8.30. The, the thing starts at 9, and I was somewhat dreading. I, I texted some friends who work there. It's like, well, I'm making a big mistake doing this because I was wondering if it was going to be like waiting in line for, for two and a half days to get in, you know, to get in the first room at WWDC. But in fact, there were some, there were, you know, a good number of spots available. So yes, there was a line, but the line moved quickly. And the whole experience of being in there is kind of like the parking, the the friendly guiding, I swear, this is like when the world comes to an end or my life comes to an end, I want the the, the, the last, you know, bits of transaction to, to be <laughs> that type of experience where everybody is friendly and says hello and this way and they were handing out, you know, fruit cups and, and bioplastic containers and granola and yogurt and coffee and croissant and little bits of juice. I kind of regret having stopped off on the way to, to get something there because I could have showed up. Um, and then, uh, as I was about to go into the theater, they, they gave the option to have assistive audio devices because you could have audio descriptions. So if I, I, I asked, I said, do you have lots of them? I don't want to take one from somebody who needs it, but I'm, I'm interested as a developer to, to know what the user experience is. Oh, yeah, I've got bag. Help yourself. So I'd never actually tried one of these physical assistive audio devices. And you, you can see them in theaters, movie theaters, I guess regular theaters. It's, it's, I think it's an ADA requirement for certain places. So you know, Apple cares about the stuff. They give it to you. But it's, a, it's basically it's a radio receiver and an over-ear uh, earplug. No, not an earplug, but a kind of earpiece. And I, I, I found the experience of it tremendously frustrating. I, I'd heard that it's not good, and that's kind of why I wanted to try it. But, man, people are not kidding because it, it's, it's, it, it took like three or four tries to figure out how to put the damn thing on. And then it never – it can't possibly fit well because it's got to adapt to however many different types of ear shapes. And by its nature, just basically it sits on top of your ear on the outside and you have to crank up the volume as, as high as possible to be able to hear something. And as a result, you get a lot of noise and hiss. And the reason why you have to do that – and I thought, this is terrible. Why don't they just kind of – you know? put all the audio through there. And then I was talking to the audio engineers outside and then they said something, they looked at me like, you idiot, (laughs) don't you understand latency? And then I I got it, that it would be very disturbing if you were to have, with open ear headphones, to have to contend with the difference between the audio that you're having in your headphones, which may be, you know, perceptibly time shifted from the audio that you're hearing from the house um, 
you know, the, the, the house audio. But uh, I did ask them, I said, well, have you ever thought about doing an app-based system? And the answer is that they, they said yes. Okay, so, so just, just, um, just take a step back for a moment. Um, so assistive audio is basically, uh, I'm assuming for people with um, uh, impaired eyesight, so they can uh, hear instead? Y- or is it to assist people with impaired hearing to improve their hearing? Well, it, it's it's really the the, the 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 former. It's to be able to have somebody. It, I should have been more precise. It, they, they they described it as assistive audio, but in, in fact, it was really audio description, and, and, and that is what they described it for. Because it's not if if you if you are hard of hearing, you have a hearing aid. You turn it up. You may even use your phone as a, as a kind of a, an additional microphone, um, but. Uh, it's it, it's so that they had somebody physically there um, who was reading out the, the, the who was describing what was on the the screen because they had voter propositions. That's the, the other thing to talk about. But you know, the, in addition to what the, the the speakers are actually saying, sometimes they had slides which had information. And so, if you were trying to intelligently vote on a, on a shareholder proposition, for example, or to understand what somebody was talking about, they're basically reading the contents of of of, of the screen. Um, and so it wasn't it wasn't kind of a theatric thing it wasn't like you know tim jobs tim cook you know bounds up on stage in a black turtleneck a, a, you know a soul spotlight illuminates his gray hair giving him the the hair of gravitas now it, it was just so so in the other in other words there was very little very little that needed to be described but when it was there it was critical if you needed it um and so, uh, but it, it 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 gives you an idea about what it's like to have to use some of these technologies and then uh since they did say that they were considering making an app out of it, I thought that was a nice thing because if nothing else, it's, it's hardware you don't have to return uh, and you don't have to collect. But on the other hand, uh, the, the guy said, it's like, yes, but then, you know, it's there available. And what happens if people need to download the app? Then all of a sudden you have people who are frantically trying to download the app, get it installed, get it configured. So it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's like one of those things that they might want to, they would probably have to, uh, keep the the physical devices, but make people aware that the the software option was there. Um, but it, it was it was interesting for me just to go through that uh, because I'm thinking about for Hack Day projects some 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 things that would use uh, uh, audio streams, multiple audio streams that are, are synced to one video stream for for accessibility and other purposes. So then the the third thing that was the surprising interesting thing was. Uh, just to, to see what types of questions get asked at a shareholder meeting. Because the, the first thing is that it's an order of business. They have basically have to say, yes, we have you know a quorum of shareholders here, and now here are the propositions. The first couple of them are kind of completely uncontroversial. It comes down to is like, you know, we want to reelect the, the currently composed board, which has you know, people like Al Gore on it. Um, and then the second thing we want to use, you know, continue using Ernst and Young as a as our whatever accountant auditor. No controversy there. Then there came a a shareholder proposition to bring what they call true diversity to the board. That's where it got interesting. And I'll, I'll leave a link in the show notes because it was actually covered in the press what was being done. But it comes down to the fact that uh, there are people out there who believe that that. Silicon Valley in, in in general and, and maybe Apple's board in specific is composed of people that have a kind of, you know, quote, progressive, progressive or liberal mindset and that, you know, even if they have diversity along lines of gender or race, they don't have diversity in, in terms of, of political viewpoint or general outlook. And this has come up before. There have been times when people have been saying, like, you know, why do you care about environmentalism? You know, why do you care about, uh, you know, making Apple products and 
and Apple's a company more green, you know, your only concern should be uh, returning shareholder value. And Tim Cook famously said, "It's like, nope, you can, you can. That these are Apple values. You can sell your stock. That's the great thing about a, a private shareholder company." And I thought it was great. So, in a, in a way, that kind of that response came there. The the proposition failed from like ninety four to to whatever. Um, and there were a couple of people who were asking about it. Uh, and and from what I could tell. There wasn't really a concern about it. In other words, because somebody somebody asked, they said, "Okay, well, is the reason why you're bringing up this proposition is because you believe Apple's board is currently composed is not giving a great return to shareholder value? Because as far as I can tell, they're doing great and have been for years. So why would you want to change it? You know, you may not agree with the, the politics of the people on the board or the way that they view things, or even the policies of the company. You may not agree that environmentalism is important, but as a shareholder, it, it seems to me that they're doing a good job. So why are you doing this? And that's really, to me, it, it's, it seemed to me like it was a long game that in the same way that on college campuses over the long run, there have been kind of, you know, uh, majority of liberal views, and now all of a sudden people have been trying to make a, a concerted effort to get libertarian or more conservative views uh, uh, heard on, on more campuses because they believe that there's a, a type of group strength that exists. You know, you could argue that a number of different ways. I'm kind of not interested in that right now, but I, I found it very interesting to see uh, how that was discussed. Now, part three and a half of the thing that I found interesting is that then there was a woman in the audience who said, I have a, I can't remember whether it's her daughter or relative niece or but somebody that was a relative of hers who works at Apple, who is, uh, as she described, very conservative and that here in Silicon Valley where everybody, you know, by comparison to the rest of, of America are kind of very left, um, and by European standards, quite centrist, I would say, <laughs> uh, and and this person you know feels like like that they cannot kind of uh, participate because if they were to make their views known they would kind of either you know be shot down or or not feel like they were included and and Tim Cook's answer I think was very interesting because he basically said look you know. Uh, as, a, as a, you can see, see what our companies are. We do have values. We do care about things like environmentalism. We do care about about women's rights and education, which is why we do things like like you know have entrepreneur camps and why we do things like 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 Swift and 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 Swift training programs for colleges and 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 all these things that we do and and it, it's what we believe in. We believe in it because we think it's the right thing to do. But guess what? We think it's also very good for business. So again, you don't like it. There are other companies you can go buy. He didn't say this, but I think the message was, hey, you don't like Apple, go buy Dell, go buy any other company um, and have a nice day. But the other thing that he said, which I found very interesting, he says, look, you know, uh, I believe in, in engagement. I believe in, in talking to people, which is why, for instance, you know, I, 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 I and the board have kind of caught hell for having engaged with the Trump administration. It's like, how could you do that? I said, well, but you kind of have to. And he said, you know, and as a as a gay man from the south you tend not to to ask quest, too many questions because you otherwise you'll have an, uh, no friends he's like he said something to the extent like you don't ask if people approve of your lifestyle you just wouldn't have any friends so in other words you find some way of engaging with them otherwise you can't survive and i thought that was very very interesting and 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 both sweet and smart because it also pertained to, to questions about about diversity, which is kind of diversity and inclusion, which is much discussed in Silicon Valley these days about how do you make a comfortable environment for people of all 
you know, of, of all differences, right? Because the, the traditional things that people think about are things like race and gender, but there are also things like, are you introverted or not? Do you have cultural backgrounds that make you, you know, more uh, inclined to just uh, kind of respect authority for the sake of respecting authority or to, to not want to question things that, that when you have a globally diverse workforce, then these issues of diversity and inclusion become a lot more tricky than people might realize. And as a result, you, you're, you're never going to get perfect alignment on, on thinking and behavior. In other words, there's not one great behavior that, that you want to have, um, but you have to be able to find ways for people to, to respect that there are differences um, and then also to define the boundaries. I mean, just because somebody may be a neo-Nazi, they're probably not going to be an Apple employee, but if they happen to be hardcore conservative or hardcore you know, leftist, you have to accept the fact that, that, that it's okay for them to have those things. And it, it's, it's, it's probably as important to be able to at least make it make it so that people who do have conservative feelings or, or, or outlooks don't feel like they're completely shut out of, of, of their existence at a company in a place like Silicon Valley. So that, so all those, all those things made it a, you know, a couple hours very, very well spent. I, I find it, the transition the world is going through at the moment, fascinating. Um, we don't get it yet. We don't have it yet. Uh, I'm sure some of the way we're trying to do this transition is wrong. Some of it is right. I think it's mostly well-meaning, but it doesn't mean it's always right. Um, I think, yeah, it, it's hard, isn't it? Because you know, should should every company provide uh, uh, a a? Uh, see, I don't even know how to describe it. So let, let, let's, um, you know, Apple has its environmentalist, uh, more liberal views. Um, and so if you're not in, someone who is interested in the environment and, and liberal, it probably is going to be you know, not the comfiest place for you to work because every decision the company makes probably doesn't necessarily agree with yours. So, you know, the, the question should be is, you know, should Apple have more balanced, you know, views as, as, as an entire company being a major world, you know, um, uh, economic, uh, I'm going to say, well, it's power. They are an economic power. Mm-hmm. Um, or is the right answer that the balance of power between all the companies around should provide that and individual companies can be a little bit more, you know, um, specific and it's no more about, is there opportunity for, you know, it, within the value, are there opportunity for more conservative people to have companies where they can feel comfortable? Uh, well, there are, you know, so this, does everybody have to be everything or does everything have to add up to everything in its mm. individual parts and i don't think we know the answer to that yet i think at the moment we're pushing towards the everything has to be everything um yeah i'm not 100 percent convinced that you can make that work i mean i'm glad we're trying and we should keep trying um yeah so it's we're in an interesting time and i think by time by time my grandkids which i don't have any of yet but by time my grandkids enter the workforce i think they will be entering a pretty different environment to right now um but I couldn't actually tell you what I think that environment will be because I don't think we, we know ourselves yet where we're actually going. We just know that there are issues in the current one and we need to change them. And we're trying to be good about it and we're trying to be socially responsible about it. But we're not, you know, we're, we're maybe aiming for more a set of ideals at the moment than a set of practices that we know will work. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Well, that's, that's, that's interesting that, that that came up. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. 
Well, Scotty, now that we've been yakking away for, for more than 30 minutes, it might be time to gently bring this to a small, soft, smooth landing. Yes, I think we should. I mean, I have more to talk about myself. We just I don't know what's going on, John. We've had a couple of weeks of having too much to talk about. So uh, let, let me let me do the teaser like we did last week. Next week, I want to talk about the disparity between the uh, NS document um, and the UI document uh, um, set up in uh, iOS and uh, macOS because it's been frustrating me. Uh, okay, anyway, but if people want to um, comment to me on anything that I've said, uh, then you can get me on Twitter as MacDevNet or on micro.blog as Scotty. Um, of course, they could comment to both of us by using feedback at iDeveloper.co. Or, of course, John, they could come to your home and speak to you uh, directly and personally, or they could... Uh, go find me on the Twitters where I'm Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B, like the West... African drum. <laughs> oh my God! How smooth was that? Almost. We'll keep working on it. Okay, so our goal for B should be that we can do the entire outro one word each at a time, switching between each other, <laughs> and no one will know that it that you know, that it. Yeah, everyone just think it's casual conversation, and we're just really, really. Well, awesome. you know why no one would know because no one ever listens that far <laughs> into any of our podcasts. And, so. the, and the chances of that happening are just about zero although the actor is fairly standard each time so maybe i should just get sam to individually cut words and do that for us because he's got nothing <laughs> I'm sure. he's got nothing better to do with his time than spend well, 17 I, hours doing that i could hear the the, the doorbell opening a thing he's gone back and forth to the bar or he's like you know going out because you're once again occupying his bedroom by being in the storage space yeah so. i am i am back in the storage space surrounded by precariously balanced health and safety brochures <laughs> okay <laughs> that's great all right it's been a pleasure speaking to you sir thank you to our however many unknown listeners you are no matter what your um uh the environment you feel comfortable in hopefully you felt comfortable here and uh, until next time you take care <laughs> 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 <laughs>